time. It's time. Time for the hard-hitting analysis you won't find anywhere else. Here's former Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus and Bobby Belt. 10-5 victory! Cowboys win! This is Love of the Star. Star. Welcome to the Love of the Star podcast. I'm Bobby Belt, Dallas Cowboys insider for 105 in Dallas, your radio flagship home of the Dallas Cowboys. Joined, as always... By former Super Bowl winning NFL scout Brian Broaddus. He is now the co-host of the G-Bag Nation, 2 to 7 p.m. Central, Monday through Friday on 105 through the Fan of Dallas. He is also the pre- and post-game co-host on the Dallas Cowboys Radio Network. And Brian Broaddus, we made it through draft weekend, and we got some new players to talk about. Yeah, Bobby, and uh, it was. It was a really a nice weekend, and um Anytime that you can be involved with the draft, especially with the different platforms that you and I get to perform on, whether it's uh, 105.3 The Fan or the or DallasCowboys.com, you know, it's just a really nice partnership between the two. And you know, and you get to work with super super people along the way that make it easy. Uh, I mean, I as I said going off air the other day, I, I just can't thank guys like yourself. Aisha Morrison, Kyle Yeomans, and you know, and Zach Wolchuk enough. Uh, uh, you know, we, you know, Peyton Russell, guys like you know, everybody. Alec Metro, Sean Sharif on night Sean one. Sean Sharif on night one. I mean, there were so many people that were had a big hand. Uh, the folks, like I said, DallasCowboys.com, You know, uh, Roxanne and and Beamer and all those guys. You know, were just super super to work with, and they make it really easy. All we had to do was to talk about the players, and uh, you know, and we get to have broadcast like what we're going to do right now to kind of recap what uh, what happened on the, those three days yeah so we will do a uh, a mailbag here at the end of the show but uh we'll, we'll open things up for the first 30 minutes or so just kind of going over uh the draft picks how things played out in front of the cowboys and just some of the thoughts so uh let's start with night number one brian and that was defensive lineman mozzie smith from Michigan State, he is a uh, big defensive tackle uh, and a guy that you know we had we had chatted about a, a little bit and and talked about how you know he he may be on the radar. I don't think he was at the top of our list of, of guys we had been talking about. We had focused a lot on tight ends um, when it came down to it. I think the discussion was about uh, Smith and uh, Matthew Bergeron, the offensive lineman from Syracuse, who we didn't talk much about at all. Uh, we, we had a couple references, but I think he was a late push as somebody that we needed to be aware of. Um, but in general, your your thoughts on how things played out ahead of the Cowboys and the direction that they went. Yeah, it's funny. I uh, I got a call this morning from uh, a guy I used to work with, former Dallas Cowboys scout and uh, director of player personnel or director. The, the title Will McClay has, uh, Tom Saskowski and I were visiting and He's so he was Tom uh, was reminding me because there was an era where you would have never taken a one technique at uh, at twenty six in a first round of a draft and he goes that's how different you know things are but I also said Tommy we wouldn't have taken a five ten quarterback uh, number one overall either twenty five yeah. years ago so it was kind of fun to reminisce with a crusty guy like me who's been in these wars and stuff but yeah the thing with Mozzie Smith they clearly understood that when they had Hankins as, you know, they, they trade for Hankins. So they're thinking about run defense. They're thinking about how can we be better on run defense. And so you watch Mozzie Smith play, and there's power, and there's up the field, and there's controlling the line of scrimmage, and there's getting outside of the tackle box. 
know, there's a lot of really positive things to like about Mozzie Smith as a player. And, you know, like I say, the Hankins think, I believe it opened their eyes up a little bit to like, hey, if you could have a guy that's hard to block, that helps our linebackers, helps our pass rushers as far as, you know, you know, getting, you know, holding up blocks. Not that, you know, that Hankins had a big, big deal to do with what was pass rushing, but you get my point about helping yeah. the linebackers and and helping those around him. And I, I think that Mozzie Smith clearly does that. There's nothing super flashy about his game. I said that in my notes, but you do see power. You do see people having a hard time blocking him. I go back to watching the Ohio State game and uh, and um, and Whipler, the 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 center from you know from uh, from Ohio State, and the deals that they were dealing with with the uh, uh, you know with those those tackles and those guards. I mean, the Michigan front. I mean, that was that's that was a great matchup, and yeah. Mossy Smith was a big part of that. And that's what you got to have. You got to have those guys that control the front, and 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 you know that's why I think they made this pick. Uh, now, when you talk about Mozzie Smith, and he is a one technique defensive tackle, and you look at uh, you know, his career at Michigan, I think he had five tackles for loss the, the entire time he was there. He had a half a sack. That was it. He was not asked to pass rush much. Um, and scheme has a lot to do with how he plays. Scheme, his, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He is, he is six, three, uh, 323 pounds, a, a freakish, powerful athlete. Do you see, as the Cowboys told us in the pre or in the post draft press conference, do you see the tools and the ability to pass rush? And it's just something that he wasn't asked to do much of. Yeah, I think that I think when you watch Michigan play and how they two gap their front, and when I mean two gap, you've heard me maybe say this before it's extend, it's look inside, it's look outside, find the ball, and then kind of make the reaction from that. That's what Mozzie Smith does. And so there's a couple of things that we need to, to keep an eye on. And, uh, we had AD uh, the uh, other day. The Adam Dirty, line, the defensive line coach. Yeah, and he was talking, and I asked him the question because Will McClay brought this up, and it's about the stance, and it's about how to change up somebody's stance. You know, maybe he's too narrow base. Maybe he's too wide. If you're too wide, maybe you can't move as well as you need to do. You know, there are things that they feel like. And Will is a former defensive coach himself. He coached secondary, didn't coach defensive line, coached secondary. So he kind of understands. So, but he's talking to Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, former defensive line coach. Dan Quinn, AD, those guys looking at Mozzie Smith and saying, listen, if we just maybe widen him up or we narrow him a little bit more, we could get him to do this or get him to do that. I I, I trust this is where I'm at with the Dallas Cowboys when they pick players, especially defensive ones. I trust that they are going to get the best out of whoever player that is. Now, those you, you know, folks out there are saying, well, hey, hey, Broadus, well, what about Kelvin Joseph? Well, what about uh, Quentin Bohanna? What about, well, okay, you win. You got, you know, you're right about those. But I, I do know what I've seen with Curse. I do know what, a, you know, I know what I've seen with Dorrance Armstrong. Dorrance Armstrong looks like a different player. You know, you saw, you know, you saw what Sam Williams, Sam Williams is a good player. But you saw with Sam Williams, I think a lot of that has to do with the ability of AD and then of, of also of, of Dan Quinn being able to teach these guys to play the type of technique that they need for him to play to be successful. They see something in the player with the way that he moves, the way he handles himself along the line of scrimmage, the way, you know, the twist game, stuff like that. There's things you could do with Mozzie Smith 
that kind of, you know, with it, the movement aspect of it that Michigan didn't do with him. We saw the same thing with, uh, with, uh, with Micah Parsons. You know, we, we were talking to the scouts uh, uh, about that. Justin Stuckey, Ju- yeah. that's Justin Stuckey's area. Uh, Penn State, Ju- Justin, a really good scout for the Cowboys. Penn State's his school. He's talking about asking the question about Micah Parsons. I go, tell me what you saw with Micah Parsons rushing the passer. And he admitted, he goes, I, I didn't. I saw the blitzing, but it was Dan Quinn. It was the, it's the vision for what they see in the player. And that's where I'm going to hang my hat when it comes to this Mozzie Smith pick. Now, when we talk about the the players that could have been available there or guys that they, they could have been interested in, the other name was Bergeron. Uh, just for yourself, did you have Matthew Bergeron higher or, or was Mozzie Smith higher for you? And Bergeron, it sounded like, would be a guy that they would have kicked inside that would have yeah. played hard. Yeah. Uh, so, so how did you think Bergeron projected as a guard and how he would have stacked up as a pick versus Mozzie Smith? Well, you know, when when I, when I was looked at it with Bergeron, I, I really liked Bergeron. And I remember when we were doing the draft show that Aisha Morrison was one of the first ones that brought him up. And she was... She was talking about she she was talking about it in a way of like, man, have you have you guys seen uh, have you guys seen this this tackle from Syracuse? And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to get to him. But she was one of the first ones that was was you know was really talking about the type of player. And so yeah, but where I had Bergeron, I had Mozzie Smith this 39 on my board. Now the player that I had ahead of 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 Mozzie Smith was Torrance, okay? You know, I had Torrance. So, you know, we were all kind of talking about, okay, what are they going to do at guard? What What's going to happen at guard? I mean, that's that's when you start to look. I mean, they they lost the opportunity to to draft the tight end, uh, you know, to, to, to draft Kincaid because the Bills got ahead of him. But I didn't think that bothered them. I mean, that, that you know, we, were, we kept talking about uh, Mayer and Kincaid and those guys. But I don't think Kincaid was the consideration. I really, really don't. And so it was the question I had was, okay, would we would you take Torrance at that spot? I had Torrance as the 30th best player on my board. As I mentioned, Mozzie Smith was 39. And then if you look at at if you look at the tackle in and where I had Bergeron, I had him at 55. So to me, that that's kind of that's where I I kind of saw where things were going for the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys end out addressing tight end at their second pick. Um, we through conversations throughout and and things like that. It, as it turned out, you mentioned Dalton Kincaid. There, Dalton Kincaid, as it turns out, just from some of the discussions we've had, uh, was not their top tight end on the board. It sounds like that was Sam Laporta from Iowa, which yeah. is the surprise. Uh, I don't think any of us figured they would have had him at the very top uh, heading into that draft. But it sounds like Laporta was at the very top of that draft for them. They end out at pick 58 after a little bit of a run on tight ends. They get Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan, a uh, an older player. He will be uh, 25, I believe, in September. Um, but this is one of the best run-blocking tight ends in the draft, maybe the best run-blocking tight end in the draft. And a guy that I think when you look at the athleticism and some of the things he was asked to do at Michigan or or what he wasn't asked to do at Michigan, which wasn't be a big part of the passing game, I think that you're projecting out a little bit and can say, at least in my opinion, I think you do have a a player who's able to be a vertical threat, be somebody that can go down the seam. Uh, But what were your thoughts on Luke Schoonmaker, where he stacked up in your tight end group? 
Well, here's another Michigan player, and you talk about the scheme hurt maybe his development as what you would think would be a really a, a quality NFL tight end. I do know this about Michigan, and I said this a bunch, and I, I kept bringing up Schoonmaker's name like up to the draft show because I felt like if you missed out on Kincaid, Musgrave, Washington, it, it seems that Washington from Georgia – Bobby, if I'm correct me if I'm wrong here, there was some concern about a knee that was yeah. going off there, so that he wasn't a consideration. I don't think for the Cowboys, Kraft uh, out of uh, uh, of South Dakota State was a guy I had at 49. Laporta I had at 60. Schoonmaker I had at 86. Okay, the thing about about Schoonmaker is though, when you watched Blake Corum run the ball for Michigan, it was coming downhill. It was coming fast it was coming with some power and a lot of that time it was with Luke Schoonmaker at the point of attack they did a really good job with their offensive line their offensive line won what they call the college the Joe Moore award uh, a famed old line coach from back in the day Notre Dame Pitt places like that they won the Joe Moore award for being one of the best offensive lines in the country and so Schoonmaker was really a part of that group that ran the football as well as they did and I, I feel like though there there is there is that side of me that watched when they would throw him the ball, whether it was the boots, the waggles, things on the edge. He was a sideline re- uh, receiver. He was up the field. He found spots in the um, he found spots in the uh, in the zones. He was a good goal line receiver. He was reliable in the way he played. So I, you know what, I, I, the, the issues that I had with Luke Schoonmaker was, yeah, you talk about the age being 25, but we're about to go through a couple of cycles of the draft, I believe, where I can't tell you, Bobby, how many times I looked at a guy that was a six year senior, you know, six yeah. year, you know, and so this pandemic, you know, we're going to have a couple of those drafts. Where we're going to have some older guys. Steven Jones talked about it on 105.3, the fan. Yeah. You have to consider sometimes the guy's age. And how you're, uh, you know, how you're evaluating him, but Schoonmaker plays in a, played in a bunch of big games. He's a point of attack blocker. I think he's a developing receiver of the football. He's got the ability to get down the field. His athletic testing and profile. If you're one of those folks that believes in those numbers and those metrics, it would be better than what we saw with Ferguson coming out of Wisconsin last year. So the, the comparisons. Or I think, or, or you know, there's a much better athlete in Schoonmaker, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with Washington. Uh, you know, him, you know, him going there in the third round. We'll see what happens with Kraft going also in the third round. Laporta was a second round pick. That was well before uh, they were able to get to their guy. So, uh, you know, maybe they, maybe this was, you know, how they, how it was meant to be for them to to grab this particular player. Yeah, look, I think that uh, Schoonmaker, that you mentioned the testing. First off, the 10 yard split, it's 159. That's a pretty good number for a tight end. Shows that there's some some burst, uh, some short area quickness. You look at the fact that his three cone at the size that he is, 6'5, 250, 255, uh, his three cone is 681, which shows really fluid change of direction. Yeah. And I think that shows up on the tape. I think you can see him. With, with the fluidity when he changes. And, and you also get the the aspect of, I think you see on tape, the ability to go down, scoop some bad balls, you know, adjust to the ball. I, I think that you've got a lot of really good traits here to work with uh, as a potential vertical threat at tight end. You're listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. All right, before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the Love the Star podcast. It is Boomer Jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they have great deals for you the rest of the time, too. They got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music, like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, and it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, uh, the third round pick, number 90, the Cowboys take uh, DeMarvian Overshone. This is the linebacker out of Texas, a guy who started as a safety, uh, transitioned to linebacker, uh, has apparently some ability, it sounds like, to be a a part-time edge player if they wanted to do that with him. Um, Mitch LaPointe, the Cowboys director of college scouting, came and talked to us on Saturday morning, said that, Overshone was one of his favorite players to study in this draft and, and mentioned even that he was somebody who would have been right there with Schoonmaker when they picked at 58. So Cowboys were very high on DeMarvey and Overshone from Texas, but kind of a Swiss Army knife player, a, a good athlete, a you know good measurables at 6'3", 229, um, but a guy who uh, you know was, was looking for the right position, it felt like, at Texas for a little bit, found linebacker, really committed to learning the position. You saw improvement. Um, you see a guy who plays with his hair on fire. Um, what what, in, what are your thoughts overall on, on Overshone and how he fits in here with the Cowboys? Yeah, once again, here we are with a defensive player that gets selected that's got a lot of, of versatility to him. You mentioned the fact that he played some safety. He played linebacker. There were some whispers going around pre-draft that maybe somebody would try and bulk him up and maybe even make him a defensive end. But you're absolutely right. Everything you talked about, hair on fire, the way he plays, the way he is able to chase the football, he's a good tackler in space. You know, there's a lot to really like about this player. I personally had him in the fourth round myself, but I had him early in in the fourth round. You know, they could have been one of those things where you could have gone if you would have cheated your grades and said three, four, kind of a combination there. But here's a kid, like I said, that that is just, you know, he he's 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 he was looking for a spot, and I think the Cowboys have had you know they've had some success with having vision for these players. I've mentioned that a bunch. I think Overshone's the same way. I think he comes in with the right attitude. I think he comes with the right demeanor. I think he's got the size, the length, the range, all those things that Dan Quinn loves in a defensive player. First pick for the Cowboys on day three came in the fourth round, pick 129, and it's Junior Fajoko, uh, an edge rusher from San Jose State, who it sounds like they're going to ask to put on some weight and and play inside as a three technique. 
uh, Fajoko right now, 6'4", 276, 33-inch arms, uh, and a guy who had a ton of production at San Jose State. Again, we talk about playing with your hair on fire. That's definitely Fajoko. You talk about a guy who uh, knows how to use his hands, which I think is always big when you're a defensive lineman and you come to the league and you have an understanding on on how to attack with your hands and and how to play with those and, and have a pass or a plan. That all fits Fajoko. Not the greatest athlete in the world, um, but somebody who I think technically is a more advanced rusher uh, and somebody that uh, when he puts on some weight here and and comes in the league, I'll be really excited to see how Dan Quinn uses him. Yeah Dan, yeah, Dan Quinn was on the table for this guy, and it was very, very clear that, you know, initially I did not evaluate the player of my 210, and, and shame on me for not doing that. You start to think about, well, are they looking at this guy as a defensive end, how the Cowboys going to take another defensive end here, you know, and so you're kind of, you know, thinking about time management and looking at other players, but that's a mistake on my part. Going back and looking at Fajoko, I could see why they're going to try and play him at three technique. We interviewed Sharif Floyd, who's the assistant defensive line coach with the Cowboys, and and he he was talking about him as being that type of guy. But the the whole this whole process really started because of Dan Quinn. This really started because of Dan Quinn standing up on the table, wanting this player, wanting a player that's super active wanting a guy that gets up the field, wanting a guy that plays well in space. you know, And and that's the whole idea with your three technique. If you get a guy that it plays what they call a gap or a gap and a half, you know, when he's able to play that, you know, you've got to, you've got to, you, you really do have a special player if they could control that outside to him and then maybe go over a gap and then another half from that. So that shows you they're th- talking about the range of the player. And that's what they believe in Junior Fajoko can be able to do, that he's that active, that strong, that kind of that relentless kind of effort uh, to always be in on the play and, and to win on the blocks. They will, AD, Dan Quinn, they will work with the technique, the footwork, all that to make this kid uh, give him a chance to be a, a, a guy that could you know, be on your 53 and then also potentially be on your 48 when you play on Sundays. After you had a chance to watch him, uh, where would he have graded out for you? Would he have been a what, what round grade would you have put on? I, I would have put him in the fourth round is where I would have put him. I would have put him right there. I mean, I had some guys, like I said, there were so many of these defensive ends that I was looking at. I'm like, man, there's no way in hell that they're going to uh, they're going to just keep you know uh, add a defensive end. But I had Young from Tennessee, McGuire from Missouri, Horton from TCU. Uh, Wheat from Mississippi State. They did not – Wheat went undrafted, but what did they do? They added Wheat, I believe I'm right about this, Bobby, as an undrafted free agent from Mississippi State. So I kind of would put him in the mix ahead of those guys. I think I would have him ahead of Horton, who I had at 127. So that was just a miss on my part right there, not to add a player uh, that uh, that could have uh, could have been drafted. And he was, of course, drafted by the Cowboys. Uh, the next pick for the Cowboys came at the back end of the fifth round with a compensatory pick, uh, pick 169. They take Asim Richards from North Carolina, a tackle who, I'll be honest, Brian, when I watched him, uh, he's 6'4", 309, 34-inch arms, 10-inch hands. Uh, when I watched him, I thought guard. Uh, yeah. That, that, was, that was how I viewed him. When we got a chance to talk to Mike Solari, the uh, offensive line coach, the new offensive line coach, he seemed to say there is flexibility there to be tackle, guard, or center, but it sounded like tackle was the primary position for him. Um, I, I think you see 
a lot of power with, with Richards, um, a guy who needs to get better at actually finishing blocks off, though, probably, and, and somebody who's a little limited athletically. Um, but what were your thoughts on Richards and the idea of him being maybe primarily a tackle? Yeah, I you know what? I'll disagree with you on the limited as far as the athletic ability. I don't – I mean, the numbers and stuff like that maybe tell the story that you're talking about. I, I know this, though. I saw this guy as being a really light-footed – athlete I, I rarely saw him on the ground I thought he adjusted when it came to his blocking his positioning was good his balance was good I didn't see him get knocked back or driven back I watched Georgia Tech Notre Dame or a couple of games that I got to scout I felt like he did a good job of holding his ground between the defender and the ball the pass sets were good he does a good job of staying with his man in the running game I mean I didn't see him lose and sustain in the open field he gets the second level. They they pull him. They run screens. Uh, you know, he's the kind of guy that where he knows where to put his hands. He knows what he needs to do about you know trying to climb that guy as a run blocker. Uh, but man, I, I felt like that. You know, there were times when they tried to twist on him and stuff, and he was athletic and aware enough to kind of pull those things. So, you know, he, he the, the the word is you're right. He could probably play a couple of different spots. I would keep him at offensive tackle if it, if, it, if it was me. I would try and develop in there because I think he could play either left or right tackle and be just fine for you. Uh, are you surprised it took until the fifth round for the Cowboys to address offensive line? I, I, I really did. And, and, you know, and that's, the, that's the thing about it. I mean, we got to a point where I'm like, well, somebody get Dan Quinn out of the room so they can, you know, they can look at these offensive linemen that, you know, with the possibility. I mean, Richards went at pick 160. Uh, well, excuse me, that was what I had him on my board. He went at pick when he got, he was 169. 169. So he was the 169th player on my, or 161st player on my board. But, you know, there was, there were several of these guys where I kind of felt like that, that maybe, you know, that the, the, the center guard combination guys, might be a little bit uh, a little bit more inviting there but uh, but they they you know they they took a really good athlete here a, a guy that I don't think this is one of those sometimes you take these guys and they're from a really small school and there's so much that you have to work on to get them to even be you know the 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 where you have to get them to go to even get to a certain level I don't think Richards is one of those guys I think Richards is at a really good level and anything going up on him, I think is is only going to be beneficial for the Cowboys. The next pick the Cowboys made was Eric Scott, traded to the top of the sixth round, traded to pick next year to be able to get there and draft him. The cornerback. This is surprising. This one was a little surprising, Bobby. This, this is. Lie to you. I was surprised by this. This is a guy I had not seen, um, and so yeah. I watched him on Sunday uh, a little bit. And I, I mean, traits are there. You you like all of that? I, I do. Yeah wonder if he's maybe a little limited I, I don't know how how good he'll be in, in press man and um I, I feel like he's more of a zone type of corner but yeah uh, what were your thoughts on Scott and and a guy who showed some really good athletic testing 40 inch vertical you know 11 foot broad ran a 47140 but apparently he had an injured quad he had been testing around 442 yeah. uh thoughts on Eric Scott the corner pick from Southern Miss yeah, I think you got him right, Bobby. I mean, he is a, he's 6'1", he's 197. And the thing about him is he plays is what we call the field corner. And the field corner is there's like the boundary corner, which has the boundary, which, of course, is a sideline. It's a little bit easier when that short side of the field, 
when you can cover, you can run your guy to the sideline. As a field corner, it's wide open out there. You've got to cover a lot of ground. A lot of guys that are field corners actually become pretty good slot corners because of their ability to cover the whole entire field. Eric Scott does play a ton of zone. You can watch Southern Miss play, and uh, he he plays sideways. And so the majority of the time, his rear is pointed to the to the to the sideline. But the movement skills are good. He's not a tight moving player at all. He'll react well to the receiver when he's pressed. Uh, he's not afraid to tackle. He's aggressive in the way he plays. I mean, he had 78 tackles. 51 of them were solos. And, you know, he 12 pass breakups, two fumble recoveries, five interceptions. I mean, he's played 34 games for you in three years. So you, he's reliable. Uh, you know, you could see him finish. Uh, I, I was watching the game against uh, against uh, Liberty where he had a uh, – a, uh, he had a touchdown on a on an interception return there. Watching the game against Tulane, where he had another interception return for a touchdown. I I just think to me that that the that height that weight. Now I was surprised. I kind of felt like that they could have grabbed him without going up and making the pick. But evidently they had some they had some intel that maybe Eric Scott needed to be picked at that time because some people were sitting behind him, kind of waiting to see if they could get him to their spot. The next pick for the Cowboys, sixth-round pick, pick 212 overall, obviously the uh, emotional pick of the day. Uh, they select Deuce Vaughn, the running back out of Kansas State, the son of uh, assistant director of college scouting Chris Vaughn. Uh, very viral, emotional moment when they uh, they picked Deuce. Um, but outside of that, uh, the, the, sentiment, uh, the sentimentality of it, uh, how do you view Deuce Vaughn as a player who – the tape is really, really exciting. The measurables are just, uh, you know, a question. Yeah, Bobby. I mean, he he is when you when I looked at my board and or I started stacking guys. Deuce Vaughn was my top running back in the fifth round. It was Vaughn, McIntosh, Tucker from Syracuse, who did not get selected, and McBride were like my fifth round linebackers. So he was running right back. there in the mix for me. It, I say linebacker, running backs. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But he was the guy that was in the mix for me right there in the, in the fifth round. I thought this kid had some of the best start-stop quickness in the draft. I think he has a special ability to be running full speed, stop, and then get back to full speed in a blink of an eye. I just – the vision, the cutting ability. He's one of those guys that's very patient. He'll allow the blocks to develop. And then all of a sudden he'll take full advantage of that. His lack of height. Sometimes you'll watch him play and he's very patient, very patient. And they're blocking and the defense is like you can see they're trying to find him. And then he's two and through the hole and he's up for six, seven yard gain. I, I didn't see him be one of those guys that got knocked off his feet, even at being at five, five. I will say this. I do not think he has elite speed. I, when you the, the longer that he has to run, the more likely he is he's going to get caught. And so that I think is really the height and the elite speed. I think are the are are good questions, but the quickness, the start stop ability, and the ability to catch the football, I think give Deuce Vaughn the opportunity to make this fifty three man roster. The final pick of the day for the Cowboys, round seven, pick 27. It's 244 overall. It's Jalen Brooks, wide receiver from South Carolina. Again, another guy that I had not seen heading into the day. 
Uh, got a chance to watch him a little bit. This, this sounds like a, a Noah Brown type of replacement, a guy who can uh, be the personal protector, can do some stuff on special teams, big bones fossil pick. But, you know, you look at the tape, you look at a guy who, who adjusts to the ball well, I think, makes some tough catches, uh, not an elite athlete by any means. But your thoughts on the Jalen Brooks selection to close out the draft? I think you exactly nailed who this player is with Brooks. I, he is a guy that, you know, when you watch him play, he can. He can play the gunner. He can play. And then the gunner's the guy on the punt team that plays all the way. They call it the gunner, the flyer, whatever you want to call him. He's that type of guy. He plays on the outside. He can make tackles. He's not afraid to stick his nose in the action and do that. As a receiver, you're right, Bobby. He He's one of those guys, you see him run underneath routes and stuff. He could adjust to the ball behind him, in front of him, above him. Uh, you know, played big time football at, at South Carolina. This is one of those traits picks. And I think the traits picks is the fact that this guy is a really good special teams player. And you're right, he could fit that role of what we saw with Noah Brown. You are listening to the Love of the Star podcast. The Love of the Star is an Odyssey podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, before we move on to the next topic here, I need to remind you guys about our wonderful partner here at the Love of the Star podcast. It is Boomer Jacks. And I keep telling you guys about Boomer Jacks, specifically what Boomer Jacks has ready for you on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. It's great wing deals. On Tuesdays, it's half-price bone-in wings. Wednesdays are half-price boneless wings. But they have great deals for you the rest of the time, too. They got drink specials starting at $3. They have $15 buckets of beer. There are wall-to-wall TVs. Every sporting event you could ever imagine is on the televisions there when you go to Boomer Jacks. They have TVs in the bathroom. There's literally not a time where you will miss a moment of the action. Live music, like I said, wall-to-wall TVs, great drink specials, great food. It's just a fantastic atmosphere for whatever you're looking for, and it's why we're so excited to have them as our partner here at Love the Star. There are 17 DFW locations. You can find yours by going to boomerjacks.com. That's boomerjacks.com. All right, Brian, it is now time for our Dean Julia Love of the Star mailbag where we turn things over uh, to our dear listeners and let them control the conversation for a little bit. Uh, First question here from Eastside Sammy. Uh, What's the pick you and Bobby are most excited about? What's the pick that gives you the most questions? Brian, the pick you're most excited about and then the one you've got some reservations about. I'm really excited about the Deuce Vaughn pick because I think to me that, you know, when you maybe under the Kellen Moore administration, you wouldn't have thought that they would figure out how to use a running back this way. But I'm excited about Deuce Vaughn because I think there's some things that you could do with him when it comes to running the football. I, I don't think, I don't think this, the, the only thing is he's short. The kid is tough. He's explosive. I think there's things, you know, I was talking, we were, we were talking with the the running back coach, uh, Jeff Blasco. During the, during the Je- yeah, Jeff Blasco, and I'm like, they will throw a parade for you in downtown Dallas mm-hmm. if you could figure out how to run a screen game here. And yeah. I I think this is I think that Brian Schottenheimer and I, there's so many things that you can do with the player. I I will say this too. I'm I'm excited about the Schoonmaker pick because I feel like that now gives you a legitimate point of attack blocker to run the football. So. I think with you know with Vaughn running and you know Pollard running, uh, I think you're going to get some really good opportunities. Schoonmaker as a blocker there, I think will be a, a very very helpful uh, aspect as well. And then, and was there one that disappointed you, or one that you're a little like, uh, I don't know, we'll have to see how this. I didn't. Goes. I didn't know. I mean, I just flat lost the opportunity to do Fajoko. I, I just 
that but now that a, you've seen him, you now that, that, that you're disappointed. Like but no, I'm I'm disappointed that I'm I'm only disappointed I didn't see him. That's where I'm. That's where I'm kind of bumming right now. I'm disappointed that I didn't have him in a spot or think enough. I'm thinking, why would they take another? Why do I have to do another defensive end? You know, I mean, I, I hey, trust me, I had the opportunity. I made the executive decision not to, but a uh, little bummed that I didn't didn't get that one done. Yeah, I think it, I've got uh, the pick I'm most excited about is Schoonmaker because I really did like Luke Schoonmaker a lot. Yeah, um, I think there was good value there. I think he is a great run blocker, and I really do think he's got the traits to be a a real threat for you in the passing game. I just don't think he was ever really asked to do it at Michigan. Yeah, um, and and I think Lunda Wells' reputation here of, of being able to help develop some of these young tight ends has been really really good, and so I, I'm excited to see uh schoonmaker's development and how things go there though the one pick that i'm probably most uh curious about uh and and i trust this staff to get the most out of these type of guys i just i always felt like d overshone the linebacker out of texas was a little raw um and and look their traits there and work ethic that you can really uh mold and do something with um, but I, I probably would have had overshown a little lower than where they picked him. Um, and I think that uh, there, there's still, you know, some molding that needs to be th- done there for him to become a complete football player. But look, Mitch LaPointe clearly sounded excited about him as a guy that he would have been interested in taking in the second round. And Dan Quinn seemed fired up about him. So did Bones Fossil. So they've got a plan that excites me. But that was the one that when when they made the pick, I was a little like, OK, I there are things to like about D overshown, but I, I don't know that this is where I would have uh, jumped on him. Uh, next question here from Alan Morrison. He says, love the deuce and Lipke pickups, Lipke, the fullback that they picked up in uh, undrafted free agency, but neither are all purpose running backs with Pollard coming off the ankle. The depth seems alarming. Are we sleeping on Ronald Jones? And how do you feel about the running back position as a whole, Brian? You know, I, I mentioned that I really like the Deuce Vaughn thing. I'm interested to see what Ronald Jones brings. Uh, that'll be training camp. That'll be preseason. Uh, but I, you know, the, the thing with with him is that, you know, he's had some success. I liked him coming out of USC. I remember when we were evaluating yeah. him. And, you know, there were some times you're watching those games, and you're like, man, this guy's running the ball with some power, with some toughness, uh, you know, making some things happen there. I, you know, I – Personally, I wish they, you know, I, I know that they, they, they didn't. I was wishing, I was wishing that they'd have a shot at B. John Robinson. I knew they weren't going to go after Gibbs. I was hoping they were able to get to Roshan Johnson. I, I that's yeah. that's the one I was kind of hopeful for. But man, the way it is now, I, I'm I'm okay. I'm, I mean, like I say, we'll see with Vaughn. I, I'm I'm ex- I'm actually pretty excited about this, you know, because they're we haven't seen a five, five runner, but we've seen guys sprawls and Westbrook and guys like that have some success. So I'm, I'm excited. Cohen. Yeah. Cohen. Yeah. I'm excited about that, that aspect of it as well, but I'm also excited too about Jones, but I I'm waiting to kind of see how uh, I'm waiting to see how that, uh, how that all plays out for the Cowboys at running back. Over at uh, 105 Through the Fan on Sean and RJ on Monday morning, we talked with Todd Archer from ESPN, and I know Todd had brought up that he thinks there are bigger fans in the building 
for Ronald Jones than than has been discussed for the and, media. For the media, yeah. yeah. And so, so yeah. he he thinks the Cowboys are are pretty confident in what sure Ronald they are can bring to yeah. the table. Uh, sure. Next question here from Mario. He says Dallas has signed several undrafted free agents. Still early, but any that stand out to you that you feel could fit into the final roster? I have not. Uh, I, I did not watch him, but I know one of the guys that gets a lot of buzz when you talk to people uh, around the league and around the team and, and stuff like that is this edge rusher, Isaiah Land from Florida A&M. Um, yeah. That they're fans of his. Uh, and then, of course, we've been looking for a, a uh, fullback and Lipke, the fullback from uh, North Dakota State. Maybe he could fit in there. Brian, your thoughts on either of those or anybody else? Yeah, uh, Duriel Johnson from Liberty is a guy that I think that, and I got that right. I haven't, have I, is, he's on the list, right? I'm not yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Duriel Johnson, because sometimes they put him on the list and then they're not on the list kind of a thing, so you got to be careful about that. That's why I, I really don't look at that until Wednesday when that's all complete. But, yeah, I really did like the, I liked the signing of Duriel Johnson. The thing with Lipke I think that's interesting, he was a one-back runner at North Dakota State, and mm-hmm. so – you're sitting there and you're like going, okay, I see it, but I I didn't see every time he's a fullback. When I start, when I watched him, I thought I was going to see a fullback, and I think it's just a, pro- a projection because, but he is a he's straight line, uh, he's tough, he'll run hard inside, he finishes around the goal line. Uh, I thought he caught the ball well enough. He's got a shoulder thing that he was dealing with this year. You know, there was time where he missed some time because of the shoulder. And now I'm kind of wondering why, like, okay, do you, if you have a fullback that has a shoulder question, now, again, I please don't just don't shoot the messenger here. Sure. I, you know, if the shoulder checks out, I can see what we're going to do here and could be absolutely right about that. But if it's one of those things where he's kind of dealing with that or something he's always going to have to deal with that, playing fullback and running in there and digging out linebackers and hitting, Defensive ends is not the best thing for guys with bad shoulders. But I'll say about the Duriel Johnson one, I really do like this guy a lot. He's uh, he's 6'3", he's 251. There's talk about him adding some more weight, but he is disruptive. He can play with quickness. I like the way he attacks the pocket. He can rush down the middle with power. He can catch you off the edge. You really see him play with a close and burst. He plays in a hurry. He can cover some ground. When he's on the move, very good wrap-up tackler when he gets in position. He's a physical player in every sense of the word, Bobby. Uh, Next question here from Trey Davis, and I'm picking this one out because I know we have answers on all of these. Uh, Trey Davis is asking, why did Eli Ricks not get drafted? Did the guys consider Zach Evans or Kenny McIntosh at running back? And did the boys consider drafting Keyshawn Butte? So, a few different answers for you here. Uh, yeah. I Ricks did not get drafted um, because a, I mean, I think the la- the league was lower on him. I think he was probably kind of a fourth round graded player for them. Um, character issues there big time for Eli Ricks that the teams passed on uh, Zach Evans, the running back from Ole Miss. Again, another big character flag guy for a lot of teams, including I think this one, the Cowboys um, Kenny McIntosh from Georgia. He was a medical flag for a lot yep. of teams. Um, that's what, what dinged him. And then Keyshawn Boutte, I, I don't know if the Cowboys would have flagged him for this, but again, another guy that I know a lot of teams flagged for character. Uh, so a lot of yeah. character and medical there for all four of those guys. 
All real good players too. I I I gambled on Eli Ricks. I had him I had him in a position where I would have taken him, but I would have probably got slammed by the media and slammed by the NFL. But the uh, the the scouts and teams for for wanting this player. I, he was a, he played at LSU, ended up at Alabama. His you know the things I've heard about him. His mom and dad are super involved, and mom and dad think he's the greatest player in the world. And mom and dad could be a problem there, and he's a coddled player and stuff like that. But uh, he signed with the Philadelphia Eagles afterwards. I saw a tweet that he was uh, he signed with them. So yep, you know we'll see if uh, if in fact that he makes his their team. But if you watch the Mississippi State game this year with Alabama, you would have loved the player too. I mean, he he's long. He's six two. He's one eighty eight. He's super thin. They they Mississippi State tried to pick on him in this game, and they failed badly doing it. He just kept knocking ball away, ball away, ball away. Uh, you know, he was a as a freshman at LSU. He was a special player, and then he moved on. So he's always kind of been one of those guys that, you know, he's never completely happy being somewhere. And I think that's kind of turned teams off too. That does it for us here today on Love of the Star. We will be back with uh, another episode later this week. And uh, who knows what we'll talk about now. Now we're out of uh, draft things to discuss, Brian. And before you know it, uh, the NFL season will be here coming up soon. I'm sure we'll have rookie minicamp. And then uh, you'll start getting into all of the uh, you know OTAs and, and everything like that. And then before you know it, we'll be here in training camp. And we'll be discussing this Dallas Cowboys football team. Until next time, we will see you guys later.